A layman looks at the book of Revelation. Keith Thorgast 2021. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 5 And I saw upon the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. Here John sees a most interesting sight. God Almighty is holding a book or a scroll, written on both sides and sealed with seven seals. What might this scroll be? When Roman emperors died and vacated their office, from what I've read, they passed on the deed to the empire along with their will to their successor. It was sealed with seven seals. When Satan tried to tempt the Lord on earth, he offered him all the kingdoms of this world if he would bow down to him. Of course, we know the Lord rejected Satan's offer. I suggest that this scroll represents the deed or title to this world with the authority to execute God's righteous judgments upon it. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. None of the four great empires of the world were worthy to open this book and loose the seven seals of it, nor is the United States, the United Nations or the Antichrist. Moses was not worthy of this, nor was John the Baptist. And no one in the heaven nor on the earth nor under the earth was able to open the book neither to look thereon. All the great figures of history and faith fall far short of even being able to look on this book. And I wept much, because no one was able to open the book neither to look thereon. This caused great consternation to the aged seer. Why did he weep? Perhaps it is because there is a deep longing ingrained in every child of God for righteous judgment and the vindication of all that is right and good. And one of the elders saith to me, Weep not, behold, the lion hath overcome that is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that openeth the book and the seven seals thereof. We see the maturity of the elders here, no longer servants but as friends acquainted with the mind of God, and familiar with his counsels. The encouraging word to John is, Weep not. If we go back to the end of Jacob's life, we find him blessing his sons as he lay dying. By faith, he looked down the halls of time and he gave a remarkable prophecy. As for you, Judah, your brothers shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's cub, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who dares to stir him up. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washes his garments in wine, and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine, and his teeth white from milk. The Lord Jesus Christ is introduced as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. In his incarnation he came as the Lamb of God, meek and gentle. When he appears again before the world, it will be in his character of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, his vesture dipped in blood, from the winepress of the fierce wrath of God. Jacob alluded to this at the end of his blessing on Judah. The Lord is both the root and the offspring of David. The rulers of Israel could not answer the Lord when he asked them how the Christ could be both David's son and his Lord. If we look back at God's promise to David, we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that God spoke to David of a great while yet to come, promising him a descendant of whom God said. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son, going on to proclaim, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, a lamb standing as slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. We will come back to this verse in our next study, but in closing today let us note that this clearly is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God freshly slain. And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, a lamb standing as slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth.
all the focus in heaven in on the lamb. The word here, and through this book means, little lamb. It is diminutive. From what I've read of scholars the idea here is that it is a little lamb, freshly slain. That is, the wounds are not healed. We will all have our bodies changed to incorruptible and immortal bodies. Gone will be our scars and defects. The stiff neck you've had for 30 years since your car accident will no longer hurt. The lame will walk, the blind will see, the deaf will hear. The Lord Jesus, however, if I understand this portion correctly, will be the wounds of his beating and crucifixion. We will see his nail-pierced hands, and his torn side. This is confirmed by the prophet Zechariah, as he wrote of the day when Israel sees Jehovah, their Saviour returning to the Mount of Olives. They will ask him, what are these wounds in your hands and your side? He will answer, those with which I was wounded in the hands of my friends. It will dawn on them that their Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth, who they hung on a tree. When John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him, but now we see him with seven horns power, and seven eyes discernment and all-seeing knowledge. When he takes the book of divine judgments from the hand of the Almighty God, he will execute all that is in it in the full power and knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And he came and took the book, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. No one else in heaven or on the earth dared even look at this book, but the Lamb confidently takes it from God's hands. The Lord Jesus said back in John's Gospel that the Father has committed all judgment unto the Son. I don't mean to be flippant or casual about this subject, as it is very solemn, but I believe the Father will be joyful to hand this book over. And when he took the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having each a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which is the prayers of the saints. Now we have the whole heavenly company in spontaneous worship. We have them bowing, equipped with a harp to sing accompany their praise, and these golden bowls full of incense. The text tells us that this incense is the prayers of the saints. God delights in our prayers, and they come up like sweet incense to him. Prayer is the acknowledgement of his supreme power in the universe. We pray to him for what we cannot accomplish or provide ourselves. We look to him. And they sing a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast brought us to God by thy blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This goes beyond worshipping God as creator and sustainer of life. Singing is the portion of the redeemed, and here they sign a new song. The Lamb is the object of the gratitude and worship. His shed blood was the cost of our redemption. The whole world is represented here, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation are among the redeemed. All the families of the earth are brought into heavenly blessing. He is worth, because of his shed blood. In Philippians chapter 2 we read that because the Lord Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant and became a man, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God has highly exalted him and given him a name about all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess his lordship, to glory of God the Father. And hast made him to our God kings and priests, and they shall reign over the earth. Not only were we saved from hell and for heaven, but we are given the role of kings and priests to our God. To the extent that we have suffered with him, we will be partakers of his glory and reign with him over the earth. Some translations give this reign on the earth, but I believe this rendering is consistent with the rest of scripture. And I saw, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, now the whole celestial company. Many angels and all the redeemed together burst out in our crescendo. A heavenly host of millions joined together with loud voices saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that is slain to receive the power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The Lamb is worthy of all honor and all glory.
By faith, even now we can join with this heavenly throng, our voices united to show forth his praises. We have not come to a physical temple mountain, but to Mount Zion, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Our worship now should be intertwined with heaven's praise. And every creature which is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and, such as are on the sea and all things in them heard I saying. To him that sitteth on the throne and to the Lamb be the blessing and the honour and the glory and the might unto the ages of the ages. The worship scene expands to universal. All living creatures join in this developing doxology. I think this is a key that indicates that the scene we are enjoying is not a moment in time but an abiding state of celestial worship. It's already begun, and will continue for all eternity. The book of Psalms builds to a similar crescendo in its final chapters, specifically the last five Psalms which all begin with Praise ye the Lord. Psalm chapter 149 adds, Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Psalm chapter 150 says, Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament for his mighty power. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Our privilege is to take our place with that heavenly company and say, Amen. What can we then do but fall on our faces in heartfelt worship?